Thank you, Trent. That song leads right into this morning's message. If you've got your Bible, um, let me invite you to open it to Proverbs chapter 3. I've entitled the message this morning, Dad, What Your Child Needs Most. One of the greatest joys in my life is being a father and now a grandfather. I always wanted to be the best father that I could be to my two children. I admit my kids have grown up with more material advantages than I had growing up in a family of seven kids. And the, there was always the temptation to give them more because I wanted them to have some advantages that I did not have. However, more than the material advantages, more than the, uh, the things that you can give your child, the things that you can place in their hand, I wanted to make sure that Trent and Hannah received the things that were most important, things that would greatly ensure their success in life. As you read Proverbs 3, you find here that a father who delights in his children wants the absolute best for them. Solomon wants his child to grow up strong and to possess qualities that will make him a godly man. And these are the qualities that I believe every father should uh, want for his children. If we're going to be, as Trent has sung in this song, the leaders, if we're going to be the teachers that our children desperately need in this day of so much confusion and tolerance, then we need to understand what the Word of God says is important and what we as fathers are doing for our children. And not just fathers, but moms and grandparents as well. Here's what I want you to take from the message this morning as we talk about a father's influence on his children. A wise father gives his children what they need most to succeed in life. In Proverbs 3, I find four qualities that every dad should instill within his children. The first quality is trust. Look at what Solomon says in verses 5 and 6. Two of many of us' favorite Bible verses, you often hear these verses quoted. Um, people say, these are my favorite verses. Um, they happen to be two of my own favorite verses. But look what Solomon says. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Solomon wanted to give his child trust, the ability to put his life in God's hands so as to feel <clears throat> secure. That word trust in the Hebrew means to lean on someone or something. I remember years ago, Nancy and I were uh, hiking out of the Grand Canyon. 
We have been down to a deserted part of the Grand Canyon with our group of college students we were a part of. And we were hiking out from Havasupai Indian Reservation. And it was a long hike. It was hot that day. And um, Nancy uh, hurt her uh, leg, I believe it was her knee, at some point along that hike. And um, <clears throat> she got to a place where she couldn't carry her backpack any longer. And so we unloaded her pack as much as we could and stuffed it into my pack. And I put her pack on my back as well as uh, my own pack. And then she would walk along, we found her a stick, and she would walk with that, and she would put her arm over on my shoulder. And I, I thought about that experience as I read this word, trust in the Lord, to lean on God, to lean on the Lord for support. And I thought about how oftentimes we go through life and we aren't able to make it on our own. We get injured or something happens and we need someone to lean on. Solomon says, lean on the Lord with all your heart. Friend, the problem is trust doesn't come easy for most of us. That's why it's called trust. It goes against our natural inclination. Who can we trust? Oddly enough, although all our money says in God we trust, many Americans would rather trust their money than God himself. But God has promised that he is worthy of our trust. He is faithful. He is good. And those who trust in him will not be disappointed. The Bible reveals that God can be trusted. The pages of Scripture are filled with stories of how God came through for His people. Time and time again, we see where uh, characters in the Bible were in a situation that there was seemed to be no way out of, and they looked to the Lord, they leaned upon the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew youth, were delivered from the fiery furnace because they called upon their God. They leaned upon the Lord. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den because he too leaned upon the Lord. David was delivered from Goliath because he trusted in the Lord. He leaned upon him. Gideon was delivered from the Midianites. Paul and Silas were freed from prison because they leaned upon the Lord. Dwight L. Moody's favorite verse was Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2 which says, I will trust and will not be afraid. Dale Moody used to say, you can travel first class or second class through life. Second class is what time I am afraid I will trust. First class is I will trust and not be afraid. Friend, that's the better way. We need to buy a first class ticket through life. We need to learn to trust the Lord. We need to learn to lean upon the Lord. And dad, trust in God begins with you. 
If your children see you trusting in God in those tough times, in those stressful times, in those frustrating times, in those difficult times of life, when they see you going to the Word and praying and asking God for His guidance to help you through whatever that difficult situation might be, they too learn early from a young age to trust in the Lord when they go through their own difficulties. However, if all they ever see is you complaining and criticizing and throwing a pity party and blaming God for your circumstances rather than trusting God, they too will grow up not trusting God and blaming Him instead of trusting Him to get them through life's difficult moments. Solomon wants us to understand, Dad, if you want to have an impact on your children for good, if you want your children to succeed in life, then you need to trust the Lord, to lean upon the Lord and not your own understanding. Well, there's a second quality a godly father must instill within his children, and that is gratitude. Look what he says in verses 9 and 10. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Solomon reminds his son of the importance of showing one's gratitude for all his blessings. He wanted his son to know you can't always take without giving back in return. You simply have to develop an attitude that makes you remember what others have given you. And that attitude is gratitude. This past week, Nancy and I were in Phoenix and... It was interesting. It was a it was a fast trip. We went out on Monday to um, go to the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm just thankful it was this past week and not this coming week. It's supposed to be 121 degrees Tuesday in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but I noticed some things that it's just I, I was I I was had this sermon going through my mind and uh, at various times uh, through the trip. I just thought about this particular thing that my father taught us from an early age no one ever should do something for you no matter how small it is without you saying thank you i noticed on the airplane when the flight attendant would come by and give someone a a coke or a, a drink of some kind or give them a snack i was amazed at the number of people who would just simply take but never said Thank you. And I thought about those flight attendants and thought, how many times do they walk up and down this plane giving someone a service, giving them just a drink or a, a bag of pretzels, and somebody just, many of the people just never even acknowledging that they've just done them a service. When we were in restaurants, it always amazes me when a waiter or a waitress will come to the table and, and will fill your drink or uh, refill your drink or bring your meal and, and will take care of things around your table and take good care of it. 
never, not even not saying thanks, not even looking up and acknowledging them. I, I mean, I just don't get that. And I always say, I thank my father who always taught us, don't ever think that you deserve anything in this life. Everything you receive is a gift from God, even a glass of water. And you ought to say thank you to that person who's given you that glass of water. Solomon says to his son, honor the Lord with your wealth. In other words, show your gratitude to God for what God has done for you. Listen, can I just say what uh, last Sunday I preached on giving? Do you know what, why giving is so important for us? You know why tithing is important? Because it's our way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing our needs. Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. The Bible says to give thanks in everything for this is God's will. No matter what our circumstances might be, we can count our blessings. Dad, do you give the impression to your family that you are grateful for the many things that have come your way? Or are you one of those people who always complains that life hasn't been fair, so you grumble instead? Solomon wanted his son to understand that if you want to succeed in life, you need to develop an attitude of gratitude. You need to learn to be willing to say thank you for the least of all the blessings that you receive. From the smallest to the greatest, always acknowledge that gift, that whatever that is as a gift from God. All right, number three. Look in verses 11 and 12. Solomon says... He, Solomon wanted his son to learn to trust the Lord, to lean upon the Lord. He wanted his son to honor the Lord with the first fruits. In other words, to be have a thankful, grateful heart for all that God had done for him. And then the third quality Solomon wanted to see in his son was discipline. Look in verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> he says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. You see, Solomon wanted his son to pay attention if the Lord disciplines him. In other words, don't fight back. Don't rebel. Think about what God is trying to teach you. In this passage, which is quoted over in Hebrews chapter 12, in verses 5 and 6, there are two different Hebrew words that are used. The word for discipline involves disciplinary actions, and that word reproof refers to God's corrective words. In other words, Solomon is saying there are times when God disciplines us through actions, and there are also times when God disciplines us through corrective words. We're not to make light of God's actions, nor are we to lose heart at His words of rebuke. As parents, when we discipline, we bring both words 
and actions, warnings and consequences into our children's situations in order to keep them on track. The problem I see today is, is that parents just don't seem to discipline in the same way that earlier generations did. And we wonder why kids often act the way they do. I remember my father standing out in front of the church one Sunday and my somebody, a lady came up and said, Bill, you've got the most well-behaved kids. It wasn't necessarily true, but she thought it was. <laughs> Three on one side, three on the other. Boys. My little sister got to sit on the other side. My mom, bless her heart. If you looked up at the preacher, or, or if you weren't looking at the preacher, and you were writing or you were talking, my dad would lean over, and I mean pinch you in the leg. And if you looked at him and embarrassed him, you got a whooping when you got home. And he what didn't mean play. He meant business. But you know what? Uh, we also knew my dad, as firm a disciplinarian as he was, was one of the most affectionate men I've ever known in my life. You see, there has to be the balance. The balance between corrective words and disciplinary actions, but it also should be bathed in love. I read about a young boy who lived in the country. His family had to use an outhouse <clears throat> and the young boy hated that outhouse. It was hot in the summer, it was cold in the winter, and it always smelled. So he had a plan. He was going to push. There was a, a, a creek, a big creek, that ran right beside uh, where that out, outhouse sat. And he decided one day that he was going to push that outhouse over in the creek and let it, hoping it would wash away. Well, one night, a heavy rain came, and the creeks rose. And so the next day, the boy carried out his plan. He pushed that outhouse into the creek, and <clears throat> his problem was solved, or so he thought. Well, at supper, his father said something to him. He told the boy, he said, it looks like you and I need to take a trip to the woodshed. The little boy said, why, Dad? And he said, because someone pushed the outhouse into the creek, and I think that someone was you, was it? The boy responded that it was. But then he added, Dad, you remember when George Washington's father asked him if he had chopped down the cherry tree? He didn't get into trouble because he told the truth, to which the father said, yeah, and his daddy wasn't in the tree either. Now, most of us will never topple over an outhouse. But we can identify with the boy in at least three ways. First, there is an urge within us that wants to do wrong. Amen? Second, our lack of goodness affects others. 
And third, there are consequences to our choices, including discipline. And no one likes discipline, but we all need it. And because God loves us as his children, he disciplines us for our good. Hebrews 12 summarizes God's discipline with a word of encouragement. The writer of Hebrews says this in verse 11 of Hebrews 12, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Fathers know that children sometimes need discipline and that discipline sometimes can be hard. And yes, I'm sure you heard the same things from your dad as I heard from mine. Son, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. And at the time, you're just going, really? But as a father, you knew what your daddy was talking about. Because discipline is never easy. But you know sometimes it's what's needed for their good. A fourth thing every father should instill within his children, according to Solomon, is wisdom. Wisdom. He uses the remaining words in this third chapter, this third proverb, to speak of wisdom. Look what he says in verse 13. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. Solomon goes on to explain what wisdom is and how valuable it is to acquire in verses 14 through 26. When Solomon was a young king, he had the responsibility of governing one of the most prosperous kingdoms in the ancient Near East. Israel's domain stretched from the Euphrates River to the border of Egypt. Responsible for so much, Solomon knew he needed help. And when God asked what he could do for the king, Solomon didn't ask to be healthy, he didn't ask to be wealthy. He asked to be wise. And God said to him in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, Since you have asked for this, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. Now that word translated discerning actually means hearing. Hearing. That's important. God gave Solomon a hearing heart so he could distinguish between right and wrong. Don Larson said, Doug Larson says this, Wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. People who refuse to listen to wisdom, who refuse to listen to instruction, always pay a high price. Their rebellion often results in a sense of emptiness leading to such things as alcoholism or drug addiction or wrong lifestyle choices, broken homes, discouragement, or depression. Friend, to live as if there is no God is foolish. It leads to pain. It leads to despair and eternal death. But to live according to God's wisdom leads to blessing, to rejoicing, and to everlasting life. Solomon reminds us in Proverbs 8 
Verse 11, wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Dad, your children need wisdom. They need to be able to look at life from God's perspective. The way to get wisdom is through the Word of God. Your children need to know that the Bible is important to you. That it's not just a book you carry to church on Sunday. Or worse than that, it's a book that you never carry anywhere. They need to know that the Word of God alone provides a real understanding of life. It makes clear what God's purpose and plan for your life is. They need to see you reading the Bible. They need to see you studying the Bible. They need to see you memorizing the Bible. They need to see you quoting the Bible if they're ever going to value it for themselves. One of the things, that, again, one of the things when I was growing up that at the time I didn't understand its importance was every night after supper, we would meet in our living room for family devotions. We would go through the Home Life magazine, the Southern Baptist devotional magazine at the time. And we would read the devotion. We would read scripture together. And then we would go around the living room. All seven of us kids and my two parents plus my grandmother and we would offer up sentence prayers. And I can remember those times when I used to fuss. We had a baseball game that out in the street that we had to stop in order to come in for supper. Then we had to go upstairs and spend another 30 minutes to an hour reading the Bible and praying together as a family before we could get back out in the street to resume our game. Little did I know how many times I have thought about all the memories of my family gathered together up in that living room, reading the Word of God together, hearing my dad and mom praying for us kids. On Saturday evenings, go walking past my father's bedroom and looking in and seeing him sitting up on his bed with two or three Bibles open, different translations, one or two commentaries, and the old flip maps as he looked at maps of the ancient world of the Mideast, Middle East, knowing he was studying his Bible to prepare for the lesson he was going to teach that men's class the next day. And then having the opportunity of going with him on occasion as he preached in the place of a sick pastor in our association or when a pastor went on vacation and understanding that the word of God truly meant something to him and my mother. Friend, I so much appreciate the influence of my father's love for the word of God. Did my father make mistakes? He made lots of mistakes. But he never denied that the word of God was the final authority 
for our lives. And I am so thankful today that my love for the Word of God can be traced back to a father and a mother and a grandmother who themselves loved the Word of God and said, if you want wisdom, this is where to find it. Let me read a poem someone gave to me some time ago. Communicates the importance of everything that we've said here this morning. It's titled, Walk a Little Plainer, Daddy. Walk a little plainer, Daddy, said a little boy so frail. I'm following in your footsteps and I don't want to fail. Sometimes they are hard to see, so walk a little plainer, Daddy, for you are leading me. I know that once you walked this way many years ago, and what you did along the way I'd really like to know. For sometimes when I'm tempted, I don't know what to do. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for I must follow you. Someday when I'm grown, grown up, you are like I want to be then I will have a little boy who will want to follow me. And I would want to lead him right and help him be true. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for I must follow you. Friend, wisdom and gratitude and trust and discipline enables us to succeed in life. And Dad, if you want to give your child, your children, the best thing for their, to ensure their success, Solomon says these four qualities are necessary to ensure their success in life. Let's pray.